Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Really, it was a movie about the end of the world. It was about the end of the world. The producer, Roland Emmerich, said he hoped to present a realistic picture of the end of the world and the predictions that it will take place in 2012. Movies filled with apocalyptic scenes of meteor showers, fires, earthquakes, Worldwide devastation. YouTube registered a million hits for the movie trailer. And I believe that the fever pitch fascination with the movie 2012 just really reveals people's fascination with end times. I don't believe it brought in $768 million just because of the high-tech scenes that it had and the action that it was. I believe that it also had to do with end times. And people are fascinated with the subject of end times, especially now. I mean, over the last couple years, you've got people talking about the Mayan calendar. You've got people talking about Nostradamus's predictions the Mayan calendar with its meticulous study of the stars and the moons ends on December 21st, 2012, and people believe that the Mayans had predicted the end of the world in 2012. Some of Nostradamus's predictions, those who follow him and study his writings and look at some of his predictions, believe that he predicted the end of the world in 2012 as well. And so now you have more of a fascination with end times, especially with what's going on today. More and more people are talking about the last days. And you can talk about the Mayan calendar all you want. You can talk about Nostradamus' predictions all you want. But there is somebody who predicted the end of the age. There's a person that you can totally rely on, that you can absolutely take his words to the bank when it comes to this subject of last days. And that brings us to Mark chapter 13, and we are going to read the entire chapter of the Gospel of Mark chapter 13. It says, Then... As he went out of the temple, speaking of Jesus, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? 
And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in the hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. A brother will betray brother to death. A father is child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Or look, he is there. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send His angels and gather together His elect from the four winds from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. And learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house 
and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. This passage of Scripture is known as the Olivet Discourse. It is the longest of all of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Mark. It is the longest answer He ever gave to any question that was asked of Him. That shows you the significance of this passage of Scripture. Let me ask you some this morning. Do you believe the words of Jesus? Do you believe that everything that Jesus spoke was true? This passage begins with Jesus' prediction of the destruction of the temple. The disciples say to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now remember, the disciples were from the Galilee area. It was like a a rural area, more like the Imperial Valley, the farming community that it is. And it's like us going into a big city and, and seeing all these buildings, these magnificent skyscrapers. That's how it was for the disciples when they would go into Jerusalem. They would see many buildings built by King Herod the Great. And he was a magnificent builder. The guy loved to build. When you go to Israel with us, you see all these things that Herod built. And one of the most magnificent building, no, the most magnificent building that was ever built was the temple. And what you had was King Herod that went into this massive remodeling stage. It started 50 years before this time that Jesus speaks these words. And for 50 years up to this time, and even beyond that, to the time of its destruction, somewhat, it was still being worked on. But Herod went into this massive, massive, remodeling program and and the stones that archaeologists discovered are just absolutely mind-blowing some of them are 40 feet 42 feet long 17 feet high 11 feet deep and they weighed over a million pounds that's that's just some of the stones that the archaeologists have discovered that's why the disciples say look at these stones They were enamored by the architecture. They were enamored by this magnificent temple. It was gold-plated on the east side where the entrance was. It stood a couple hundred feet high. If you were down in the Kidron Valley and and when the sun would rise, it would just sparkle off the temple. It was was truly Israel's most glorious building. It covered one-sixth of Jerusalem's service area at that time. One-sixth of its service area that time, the temple grounds, the courts, and everything else. And it is of this temple that Jesus says not one stone is going to be left undone, turned over on another. It is going to be utterly 
destroyed. And this prophecy is unique to Jesus. This prophecy is not found in any other prophet. It's not found in any other writings that this temple, this magnificent temple, is going to be destroyed. It's unique to Jesus. And friends, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you've never placed your trust in Him, if there's anything that should draw your attention to Jesus, it should be these words here this morning. Because He predicted something that blew the disciples away and yet it came to pass. In 66 A.D., you had the Jews revolt against Rome. And they rose up in rebellion against Rome. And, and a Roman general named Titus, under the Emperor Vespasian, Emperor Vespasian was a successor of Emperor Nero. And he used to be a general. He becomes emperor, and he appoints his 30-year-old son, Titus, to be the general. And in 67 AD, Titus surrounds Jerusalem. He besieges it for three years. And then in 70 AD, they breached the walls. They came into the city like a flood of ants, and they utterly destroyed the temple, they destroyed Jerusalem, they burned it to the ground. When we go back to Israel, one of the things we go to in the Jewish quarter is the burnt house, and it is a house that's there, and it's encased, and we go in and we sit in bleachers, and we listen to the story, and you see the remnants of charred wood, and, and this house that was burnt that reminds them that what Jesus said comes to pass. And so the Romans surrounded the city. They came in like a flood of ants. They utterly destroyed the temple. They burned it to the ground and every stone was turned over. Not one was left unturned. They turned it over. They were seeking to get the gold out of it. The Romans were taking booty. And in Rome, Italy, there is an arch to Titus reminding them of this he came back for a victory celebration when he came back for a victory celebration there was a huge parade of their conquering of Jerusalem and and there was this arch that was built commemorating Titus's victory over Jerusalem that you can still see today if you go to Rome Jesus words here are not to be taken lightly the disciples are taken back. They don't even question him here. They go down the Kidron Valley and outside the temple, they go down the Kidron Valley and they go up to the Mount of Olives. And it is sitting there that they ask Jesus the question, when are these things going to happen? They couldn't ask him there because in their minds, Jesus was going to set up the kingdom. He was going to, to usher in the fullness of his kingdom at that time. And so now Jesus is talking about a temple to be destroyed. How does that fit into their minds? Wait a minute, Jesus. You were coming to conquer. You're the Messiah. You're here to usher in your kingdom. And now you're talking about a temple being destroyed. 
You're talking about wars and famines and rumors of wars and pestilences and things. And, and even when you go to Acts chapter 1, when Jesus, before he ascends, is commissioning his disciples, they said, Lord, at this time will you restore your kingdom? Restore the kingdom. Even in Acts 1, they still had it in their mind that Jesus would usher in the kingdom. And so they're stunned. They're processing this as they walk out of the temple. They walk down the Kidron Valley. As they go up to the Mount of Olives where I've been with many tours. We've, we've sat on that Mount of Olives and we looked across at the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock that the Muslims have control of now reminds us that the words of Jesus came to pass. Listen to me. That's why. This is why you can take the words in Mark 13 to the bank. If I was to divide the chapter up, I would divide it up this way. I would The first two verses... You have the destruction of the temple. Then up to verse 13, you have the present history. In verses 14 to 23, it speaks of a future specific tribulation time. And then from verse 24 on, the second coming of Jesus. And you can bank on these things happening because verses 1 and 2 happened. Just like Jesus said, and as, as hard as that was for them to believe, and as hard as that was for them to understand that this glorious temple would be destroyed, it happened. Just like he said. And so as we approach Mark 13 today, I'm not going to get into the depth of it. Those are for the next few messages. We're going to get into the depth of it. But today I want to give you some practical things to take home in approaching Mark 13. And the first thing I want you to take home is Jesus' words here should exhort us. They should exhort us. The word exhort means to strongly encourage to do something. And the reason I say that is in, you don't see it in the English so much as you would see it in the original Greek, but in the original Greek, this passage has 17 imperatives alone. An imperative in the Greek language is a command. It's like saying, cook the dinner, or show me the car, or clean up your room. It is a command in the Greek, and in this passage alone, you have 17 imperatives from the words of Jesus Christ. You talk about a lot of imperatives. Scholars are blown away by the amount of imperatives just in this passage of Scripture. And so it's a command. It's a command. And Jesus knew more than anyone that his disciples and all believers that follow Jesus Christ from that point on are going to need encouragement because he knew they would face adversity, harrowing persecution, false alarms, and the ruin of nations, even their own nation. And so Jesus speaks on these subjects. And basically, Jesus in this passage 
is not trying to give a downer. He's trying to inspire faith, endurance, and hope in the face of coming suffering for the church and the Jewish people. And let me say something. These things that Jesus is speaking of from verses 3 on, the, the earthquakes, the famines, the wars, the rumors of wars, they've been happening all through history. Jesus is saying, wait, you know, from the time I ascend to the time I've returned, history is going to be filled with adversity. History is going to have nothing but troubles. The world, in spite of what people think, you get all the government heads together and they say, we can make this a better place. Jesus says different. He says, it ain't going to be a better place. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be happening. In fact, after Jesus' ascension to heaven, there was a Roman historian named Tacitus. He was a Roman senator. He lived at the time of Christ. He was a little bit younger, but he was also a historian, and he recorded some pretty interesting things that took place even in his day. Listen to these words of his bleak description of the world at that time. He said, quote, The history of which I am entering is with battles, torn by civil struggles, horrible even in peace. Four emperors fell by the sword. There were three civil wars, more foreign wars, and often both at the same time. Italy was distressed by disasters unknown before or returning after the lapse of the ages. So, listen to me. Bad times were nothing unique to the 20th century, to the 21st century. Things are going to happen. Earthquakes are going to take place. There's going to be pestilences, but we'll talk about all that when we get into the heart of the passage. Those are only the beginning of sorrows. That means birth pains, and those are only going to intense but Jesus knew that during times of tribulation, we need exhortation. We need to be encouraged. We needed to be exhorted because there are things in life that make people want to give up. Believe me. There are times when I've seen believers say, I've just had all I can take and I'm at the point of breaking. I am at the point where one more straw on the camel's back, everything is going to collapse and it's, I'm all over with. I've seen that before because of the difficulties that they were facing. And Jesus is encouraging. Now, think about Mark's first readers, the Gospel of Mark. You remember who the Gospel of Mark was first originally written to? It was the believers in Rome. It was the believers in Rome. They were suffering intense persecution. They were suffering immense difficulties. And just a tour through the catacombs under Rome where the believers used to gather, those were like underground graves and tombs, and the people would come together, the believers, and they would gather to worship the Lord because they couldn't do it freely. They were under intense persecution, and the Gospel of Mark was written originally to those first believers in Rome, but how many have found encouragement in the words of Jesus even today? How many have found encouragement in the very words of Christ, as sure as it encouraged the believers, then it encourages us today. And one of the things I see in the Olivet Discourse is that it's a message of hope. The world is going to fall apart. The world is going to continue to crumble around us. No man, 
No government is ever going to straighten it out. But what gives me encouragement in this passage is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He, he is in control of history. History is His story, they say. And I believe that. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.